whatever you're saving up for. A CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.00% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. This episode of Wish Break is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires right tools. If you're doing one, ten, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives you a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. Good show from me and Greg today. Uh, we talked about uh, Zucker, the wild uh, person who, wild person, wild hockey player who just got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Talked about the Rangers trading from that. That's obviously not going to happen anymore. He's not available for the Rangers because he's now a Pittsburgh Penguin for the next three years. So that's a little bit of an editor's note. Otherwise, here's Mark Messier and let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans. Welcome to the, another episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm the Athletic. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, also the Athletic. Greg, say hello. Okay, so here's what I was saying about the norovirus. Okay, so let's talk about plagues. Yeah. So no, it's it is funny to me. Then don't get me wrong. This it's very serious. It uh, a national uh, international response needs to be done because this thing can get out of hand real quick. But here's the thing about the norovirus. We're talking about something. Wait, is that the is norovirus killed. now? Is that what they're calling the coronavirus? I'm not up on news. Sorry, that's what I mean. It's the same shit. Okay. They're all in the no, but they are all in the SARS family. Like okay. they're different. They're different variations of the same fucking mm-hmm. strain of illness. Either way, coronavirus, that shit. We're all freaking out about it. Ryan, you know how many people have died from the flu this year in the United States? Way more than the coronavirus. But I will tell you that someone at my wife's hospital has the coronavirus, and I got a very alar- alerted text today. Like, we have this person on lockdown. I might bring corona home. Are they? Well, do they have it or are they being, are they being evaluated for They're it? being it's evaluated, but it, it's not the strand that is the the bad one supposedly I, i'm a doctor what, as you novel, can tell the novel i think it's white, yeah i don't know it's one either, of the either way either way twenty five thousand americans have died this year from the flu yes that's a staggering number it's a lot that that is the amount of people who go to met games on thursday nights when they're good <laughs> get your flu shots everybody it's important yeah, Jesus, Wash your hands. it's like i i get it i get it i get it the coronavirus very serious this is a very big thing but seriously twenty five thousand is such a large number why aren't we talking about that more? I think there's a lot That's of stuff we don't talk number. about. That's such a big number. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway. Let's talk about the Rangers. <laughs> New York number one New York Rangers podcast. That's it. That's speaking us of, right speaking now. Speaking of the flu. Speaking uh, of the flu. Uh, this fucking hockey team. Uh, what's wrong with it? It's not the flu. Someone just honking incessantly out my, inside my apartment. Um, we, Philadelphia. Uh, gotta love it. Catch a fever. Gotta love it. So, beat the, flu, uh, beat the Leafs. Get. Uh, <laughs> Were you going to say beat the flu? Beat the flu. Uh, beat the coronavirus and beat the Leafs. And then Sabres somehow lose to a really struggling Sabres team and then come back to Madison, well, stay at Madison Square Garden and absolutely dismantle the Kings, which are 
Um, the Kings, how, how much better are the Kings than the Red Wings? Like, uh, 25%, 50%? If, the Red so Wings are like really if, bad. If, if the Red Wings are the coronavirus, the Kings yeah. are the flu? Is yeah, that, that's pretty is much that how we get back to what we were talking that's about? pretty much where I'm Yeah, they're both bad. They're both bad. They're, yeah. they're really bad. Um, and, and it is a little bit embarrassing to lose to the Sabres team, especially when the Sabres, I believe, had lost, like, four in a row and then were shot out. Yeah, is it four. embarrassing, though? I don't know. It's it's just like like define. We got to be careful when we when we call a loss embarrassing. It's like, oh, the Rangers, no. a not great hockey team, lost to another not great hockey team. There, it was a trap game, really. It's like the Rangers. It's not what, even a trap game. It's a trap the game Rangers to me. Aren't that good? They're they're an average team. Buffalo. Well, I guess Buffalo's record shows that they're not that bad. But the game. No, the same. are just here's here's what you're miscal- miscalculating, misdiagnosing here. Okay. They're just both bad doctors. Both teams are bad. Both teams are it's above okay. 500. But that guess, doesn't mean they're good. That's that's true. They're not playoff teams. But yeah. I, I don't know. It just I guess it didn't. It just felt like a game the Rangers should win. Isn't is it a big deal? No, it's not. It's really not no, a big deal. The Rangers really have a two percent chance really to not. make the playoffs. But I and I, listen. I love. I think, I, uh, hold on. I think they got up to five point three. Oh there. hey hey, <laughs> bet those odds now. Um, uh, the Rangers beat the Kings, and I love beating the Kings. Like, I love watching Jonathan Quick get scored on. It's one of my favorite things. I don't care how petty it is. I love it. I just, Did the game matter whatsoever? No. Did Kako score on, like, what was maybe one of the easiest goals of his life? Absolutely, he did. Uh, Filipino played his mind out that game. And, and should we just talk about DiGiuseppe? What's up with him? Where'd he come from? Has he always been this good? Is he going to be this good for a long time? Because he's been playing quite well in the, on the NHL level, and I didn't, didn't know he was this caliber of player. Or am I just overrating because I've only seen him for four games in small sample size hashtag? I, I think it's a little bit of that. But before we go further into DiGiuseppe and the ridiculousness that has come from weird Twitter conversations regarding him, you know what's weird? Tell me. And I know this is going to hurt your feel. Well, it's not going to hurt your feelings. You're just going to vehemently disagree with me. Okay. I don't really harbor hate for the Los Angeles Kings. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> I don't. But, you know, but hold on, hold on, okay. hold on. Because I also don't harbor hate towards the Kansas City Royals. Like, I, I don't know if it's just That's different. who I am as a sports fan. How is it different? I guess they both lost in five games. So Yeah, and the Mets had leads in every game, Ryan. If anything, I should be really fucking mad at the Kansas City Royals. I think it was... I don't, I don't know. I just... At this kind of sports fan that I am, it, it's like I... I find things my team could have simply done better, and that's as far as I go. No, I, I don't. Just... I don't like. I don't. I don't blame. I don't hold any grudges against any specific king. Like there isn't a single king where I'm like Martinez. slighted by. Yeah, Martinez. I'm not. I, I don't. Am. I, I am don't feel anything for Alec Martinez. I really don't. Like I feel nothing for that man. I, I on a human level, he is another Kopitar. human being. I acknowledge. His existence, and that's as far as I go. Dislike like a, I, a lot of them. Gabrick? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I really, I don't, I don't hold a single negative opinion of the Los Angeles Kings, and it's weird. And it, I, it's just something I think about. It's like to I, me, to I, me, it's a little I, different. I hate, like the 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 Royals weren't like weren't like stunting on you. They were, you know, they weren't like bat flipping and being assholes about winning. They were just like it was well, competitive. I, I think you 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 forgot how you know the Mets and Royals like literally almost fought in Game Three. I, right? I did forget about that. So yeah, yeah. maybe I did. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess we was... just view this differently then, because I just I do not like the Kings at all. I talk about I that series I... like once a week, and it's not like it's not like I don't hate other NHL teams. I do. Like, right. You you I've gone on flyer rants. We've I don't need to do it again nope, today. You do not. But it's it's I don't know. I I don't. 
I think it's I think partially it's because it's a one-off. Like you if you're the Rangers and you're in the playoffs, the only chance you get to play the Kings is in the Stanley Cup, right? Whereas whatever I feel towards the Capitals, the Flyers, I don't hate those the are Capitals, teams I know though. that I know that's crazy. I, I but I, I don't think I hate them either, mostly because again, I think we've talked about this before too, where I've never like gone into a series against the Capitals thinking they're unbeatable. Yeah. So like there's no fear. Therefore, I don't hate them. Uh I don't know. It's weird. I really the Kings to me are just another they're another team on the calendar. Like that's all they are to me. For me, no way. I, I love watching them suffer. <laughs> I love it. I hope that team is mediocre and on the borderline for many, many years. I hope they never win a Stanley Cup again while I'm alive. That's where I'm at. I'm really on this wow. I'm totally different than you. That's that yeah. Stanley Cup final, like it hurt me deep for a very long time. I think about it all too often. I think about the Chris Kreider crossbar, and I know that's not the King's fault, but I think about it way too much. Way too much. It's the longest five-game series of my life. I don't understand. It's terrible. I hate it. Uh, anyway, where were we? Oh, yeah, three-headed goalies. Well, no, 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 no. We were talking about uh, DJ oh, Giuseppe. Here's the thing, guys. Okay. I, got, I, I, got to, I got to throw this out there. I do think what we're seeing from DJ Giuseppe, I think, is partially real. I think this is the kind of guy he is and has always been, which is why it was so beneficial having him in Hartford because you had – I mean, he's he's better than Vinny Letary, but he's still – like just a higher percentile type quad a player where he'll have moments in the NHL where you're like, Oh wow, that's interesting. And then he'll have plenty more moments where it's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. We can try passing this guy through waivers and he'll probably get through without anyone claiming them. Uh, I, the people who are like, Oh, Brandon Smith, what was he doing on this roster instead of DJ Seppi? It's like, guys. Oh no, what? I, that's not a fight I'm taking. I no, like, but it's also I like Brendan Smith. If, if I still is, do. If it's a fight you're taking, it's like you're kind of missing the forest through the trees here. Like again, first of all, Brendan Smith's start to the season, he was never the problem. We've agreed on this many times before, but it's like Brendan you don't good, worry about creating a you don't worry about creating a roster spot for a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe. You hope a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe can come onto your roster, make an impact and earn a role. Dude, but we're you're not, not worried like, about making a roster spot for Kraftstoff. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you don't, that's where I don't, we're at. I don't know. You don't, you shouldn't be worrying about who occupies your 11th and 12th forward spots on your hockey team. Those should be in some ways revolving doors and you're hoping someone runs away with the job. So well, I, Brandon I've Smith, seen a couple of people. Brandon Smith I've was just also seen a playing couple PK. People, it was really important. Like that was the thing. Yeah. I just, I've seen a couple of people pondering why, uh, it's unexcusable what the New York Rangers have done. Blah, Brandon Smith took a roster spot from this guy. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, first of all, G. Giuseppe was playing a role in Hartford. The team felt was important because everything Davidson has said since day one is about building this organization up from the ground. And in order to do that, you need to have productive players playing in Hartford. You have to have guys that are, aren't veterans in the NHL sense of the term but veterans of playing this game at that level to help the young kids understand what you have to do to be successful every step of your career. And it's just like, as solid as D Giuseppe has been, we're still just talking about Phil D Giuseppe. We're talking about a roster spot that where the Rangers, if they're good, the next time the Rangers are really good again, it's going to be a player better than Phil D Giuseppe occupying that roster spot. We hope it's, it's, I'm not a big deal that he's on the team. 
I thought he's been pretty good. I thought he's no, elevated. but it's, it's not just it's not just that it's not a big deal that he's on the team. It's not a big deal that he wasn't on the team either. Like it, it is what it is. It like I saw people calling the like, why don't we get Boo Nieves up? Like, listen, I've seen enough of Boo. You know, sorry, Boo. You're you're a good guy. I'm sure. I'm sure, you're a good dude. But I've seen enough of him playing that I I don't need him back up again. I think I think he can get another chance elsewhere. He probably needs a change of scenery. Would you Would you ever want to see another game with Boo Nieves play the fourth line center? He's fine. Yeah, I it's it doesn't really matter. It like, sure, matter. maybe. Like, especially with how we've seen David Quinn use the fourth line. I, uh, whoever David Quinn wants to put out there for seven minutes a night, I've decided I'm just not going to give a shit because that player's not going to make a difference. Oh, I guess we should speak about Michael Haley. Oh, RIP. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, he Bilateral core muscle, whatever the fuck. He tore some muscles off some pieces of bone that I don't know of. I have no idea. Again, not a doctor. Talked a lot of medical no. this uh, this here podcast, we sure did. but sure did. no idea what those were torn. But I think he's going to be out for quite a while, and it sounded yeah, I th- painful. I think, yeah, he kind of sounds cooked, which again is fine. Unless, I mean, it's not that fine because if Cody McLeod could be a seventh round pick, then anyone could be a seventh round pick. Yeah, when you put it that so, way. Yeah, in that sense, sure, we we're not going to have our eighth seventh round pick this year. But yeah, I don't know. I'm another guy. I, Haley hasn't been playing for a while anyway. Doesn't seem like Haley was going to get involved anytime soon. So, hope Haley's fine. Yeah. Don't wish ill upon him. I wish him a speedy recovery, but I don't know why he was ever on the team. That's that's it. No. But again, it doesn't matter because the fourth line doesn't get played. I'm, I'm a little sure surprised doesn't. by that. Um, why? We've seen this for a year I, and a half. I, I know. It's, it's just I thought Quinn would be a little more, I guess, sharing the sharing the load. Is that the load share? I don't know the terminology here uh, for for what what Quinn would be doing in this case. I think rolling lines. Yeah, I guess rolling lines would be the one. But we they, they play like seven minutes. I mean, Leah Anderson when he was here played like seven minutes. So it doesn't matter who's on the fourth. It literally doesn't matter. They get no time. But yeah, and the argument for why the fourth line should get more time is because the the wingers on the line have they're just better quality of player than the Rangers have had in the past. Like yes, when Michael Haley and Brendan Smith are on your fourth line and you don't want to play it. Now, I don't think anyone's going to bat an eye about it, but we know that Quinn likes Brendan Lemieux. We know that Quinn has liked stuff Phil DiGiuseppe has done. Well, Quinn likes but Brendan Quinn, Lemieux enough to put him on the first line sometimes. That, that's what I'm saying. So when yeah. you see Lemieux on the fourth line, it's interesting that Quinn doesn't try to, I mean, maybe this is, maybe Quinn's way of rolling four lines isn't by actually having four lines and playing them evenly. It's, making constant in-game adjustments where one guy jumps up to one line, so on and so forth, which, you know, we've talked about that in the past too, about how from where we sit, it sure feels like it disrupts chemistry in-game a little bit. But maybe maybe Quinn's way of quote-unquote rolling lines is just by continuously putting his lines in a blender in the middle of a game. I mean, I think it's always... At this, at this point, we're not... If anyone is still surprised with the fact that Kabakaka could start a game on the fourth line and end it playing with Panarin. I think we just need to stop being surprised by this. I think the more surprising thing would be if Quinn stuck with his four lines in the middle of a game. Agree, especially because it feels like last year was a big Quinn bin year, right? It was always like, okay, tonight this guy's benched and we're sending a message. This year's sending a message seems to be putting him on the fourth line. That's like you want to get off this fourth line and, and you have to earn it. That's his quote unquote Quinn bin. He seems to be a big um, show me or prove it to me coach. And that seems to be his number one motivator every single time. 
especially now. I mean, Igor has proven it to him that he's the uh, most capable goalie currently, and he, now all of a sudden his uh, meritocracy quote from earlier in the year comes to fruition, where Igor is going to get the continued starts moving forward. Um, anyone who takes this as a shot versus Henrik Lundqvist or Georgiev, um, I don't see how that's possible. I just don't. Uh, Igor's played his mind out. He's been quite good in the games he's played. He's 5-1 and one as a Ranger. Uh, I don't I don't see a problem with Igor starting multiple games in a row. I, Gregory, do you at all? No. I also think if Georgiev beat the Sabres, he would have gotten a start against the Kings. I agree. Like I, I think Quinn's at a point this season, I, I mean, it's... It's, I think, what he wanted to do all along, and it, it, his words are backing it up. If you lose a game, you're going to sit. I think that I really think it's that simple when it comes to the goalies. Maybe it's a little bit of uh, trying to figure out who the hell he'll play once you lose the game. But I, 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 as soon as the Rangers lost to the Sabres, if it was or wasn't Georgiev's fault, I was under the impression someone else was going to start against the Kings, plain and simple. I believe so. Uh, and why? And my feeling of why did he go back to Igor before he went to Hank is the reason you just gave. Igor's one more. Hank, Hank's got one win in his last two starts. Igor's got three in his last four. If Igor lost against the Kings, I think we'd have a Hank start on our hands the next game out. But Igor won. And uh, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe Igor is the only goalie right now that has any kind of leash or room for error. Because, again, I mean, it was what, 5-1, and 4-1? and 5-1. He's five and one. Yes. So like if he loses one game, I think Quinn will be like, all right, that's fine. Get him out next time. But no other Ranger goalie. I look and it's the same thing. We talk about baseball. It's just no way to judge a a player or pitcher's performances by judging their win total. Yep. At the same time, Igor, he hasn't had a bad game. No, he hasn't. His first, his first start, he had the, the hiccups early on. And then it looked like he swallowed those butterflies and he didn't have a problem ever since then. Like, Hockey is if fun. you take away those two goals he gave up in his first game, he looks great. He looks like the guy, he looks like the prince that was promised, which makes, again, all these Georgiev trade conversations or the people who are so unsettled with trading Georgiev just that much more ridiculous to me because I get that some teams work with tandems and tandems work well. I do not see a situation where... Igor Shosturkin is the Rangers goalie and he's not starting 60, 60% of the games. Yeah. So then you're, you're paying a backup. Don't pay your backup goalies. Just don't. It's dumb. It's dumb. I like we talk with Kevin. We talk with Kevin Kurz, San Jose Sharks writer of the athletic later on this podcast. You know what happens when you end up paying the wrong goalie? San Jose Sharks is what happens. Yeah. And there's like, you'll find out it's a very quick and brief interview, but the information that we get from Kevin during that interview, it's pretty damning. Um, and it does seem like your your prediction of the Rangers will go to the offseason carrying three goalies will come true. I don't think Georgiev gets moved at the trade deadline. Have you have you wavered on that at all? No. Uh, once the Leafs made their big move, I, I think, think that was it. Here. I agree. Yeah. And uh, it's it's something we've preached all year long. It's something we can preach one more time right now. It's just the New York Rangers aren't in a position where they absolutely positively must trade Georgiev. They not right now. Now, why did we think this? We thought this because we thought the Rangers were going to give Chesterkin an entire season in the AHL. Uh, obviously, Igor proved to be too good for that. And now, I don't know. It just it doesn't make that. I don't think the package the Rangers could get today 
is going to be significantly less than the package the Rangers will get at the deadline, or not the deadline, I'm sorry, the NHL draft. And the positive thing working for the Rangers is it's the same thing we've said about D'Angelo. It's the same thing we've said about Strom. We've said it about every RFA that the Rangers have on the roster right now. A lot more teams are interested in your players when they have the room for them. And the only way to the only time of the year that teams will have more room for your restricted free agent possibilities is the offseason. So I outside of Kreider, I honestly, and I guess Fost, I'd honestly be surprised if the Rangers make a move with a player under term. It does That's feel, just where I am right now. I, I There was a big article on theathletic.com. You can sign up for theathletic.com right now. Theathletic.com slash BSB. Signed today, 30% off for uh, first year. Uh, there was an article today that was discussing uh, all the trade deadlines or every single team and the trade deadline. I mean, they didn't even mention Jesper Foss. They said uh, the team could trade Tony D'Angelo, but why would they? Um, Chris Kreider's most likely to go. Uh, Georgiev obviously probably won't happen. They'll probably go to the draft because of the Leaf situation. That's pretty much, frankly, it. I think uh, Strom is, has an outside chance of getting traded, but I think you're looking at Chris Kreider, and that might be the only move the Rangers make at this trade deadline, which sounds weird because I thought it was going to be a fire sale, but all of a sudden, it's not looking that way. By the way, one quick side note, I looked up the Rangers' playoff chances, and as of The Athletic today, Dom on The Athletic has them as a 1% chance. So, there's that. Yeah, I I didn't think this deadline was going to be a fire sale, and just because the Rangers don't make trades at the deadline doesn't mean they won't make trades this summer. They're going to have some tough decisions they have to make because, again, they simply cannot pay everybody. And they got a Henrik Lundqvist decision to make. They got a Mark Stahl decision to make. They have so many decisions to make, and it's it. they're not decisions that need to be made in February of this year. Tony D'Angelo has done so much to raise his own value in terms of what the Rangers are going to owe him on a contract but he's also done so much to raise his value in terms of what the New York Rangers can get for in a trade. If, if so many teams are going to need puck moving right-handed defensemen come next season, the Rangers could make a quote unquote NHL trade where they're getting a winger back for him. And we've gone over the Strom stuff before as much as once upon a time, you and I thought Ryan Strom was ticketed to get the hell out of here. I was convinced like yeah, beyond but convinced. Now, and now, now you take a step back and you realize, all right, if the New York Rangers are going to be even half competitive next year, well, they're going to need more centers than just Mika Zibanejad and Philip Hedl. Yeah. So without Ryan, you better have, let me put it this way. If you want to trade Ryan Strom, you better have already acquired the Ryan Strom replacement. Or and I don't uh, know if it's, have more I don't faith think it's going to happen. playing center, which just is not going to happen. Seemingly. Right. And I think the Rangers have realized it's not going to happen. You know why we think they've realized it's not going to happen. They don't do it because anymore. he's not playing. Yeah, he's not playing center anymore. Yeah. So it's all these things. These are things you just have to keep in mind. It's just, it's it's a unique position the New York Rangers are in where Chris Kreider's value obviously is never going to get higher. And he's, never. He's obviously. Can we take a moment to just thank Ray Shiro? Just like what a guy. Go, going on, going on the Athletic today again. Another plug by me. They have the trade deadline tracker. It's just a picture of Chris Kreider's face. Like he is the face of the trade deadline and without Ray Shiro trading Taylor Hall uh, a month and a half advance for no absolute reason and then fi- getting fired and losing his job uh, Kreider wouldn't be warranting as much value as he or actually demanding as much value as he's doing now which I do think the package is going to be similar uh, I mean the, the least you're going to get is like a conditional first you're probably getting a first and a, a B plus player a B plus prospect B prospect and that's 
very enticing. And I, as much as everyone else wants to keep Chris Kreider, like this hashtag keep 20, love Chris Kreider, love him so much. He can come back if he wants for, we've talked about this on the uh, BSBOTs. He can come back for a discount contract. If he really wants to leave that money on the table, he will not want to do that. It's just, that's too much value. You can't give it up. Yeah. And our, our buddy, our good friend, our uncle, Rick Carpinello, who by the way, I offered to have on the podcast this week. Wait, why? And he said he had to pick his wife up from the airport. Wow. I'm not sure I believe it. First of all, but I at least admit that it was a possibility. First of all, good, good husband. Look at that guy. He's out there performing. Full-time job. Yeah. Um, Rick, Rick, by the, Rick, by the way, has been doing some serious self-promotion he's recently. He's killing it. He's uh, all over the place. Wait, Rick is coming on in two weeks. Why would he come on tonight? He's, the, he's, he's always the, po- the first, first person we call a post-trade deadline. Look, he, he, was, he, get, he did some chirping. Oh, I, offered, I chirped to you. Okay. He, said, he said he had to pick his wife from the airport, okay. to which I say, I see how it is. Talk, I see where the talk priorities to, are. Talk to you on the 24th, Rick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any, anyway, um, Rick, Rick, one of the many that's saying, what's the first round pick going to do to help the Rangers win next year? And it's, I, I, I've seen this pop up in a number well, Rick, of articles oh, now. Mind. I'll get to it in a second. Sorry. Go ahead. But, well, it's just, I've seen it pop up in a number of articles now, either from Rick or from our good friend, Larry Brooks, who will never come on this podcast. Uh, for Larry, by the way, fucking killing the game out there. He's just, he's an interesting fellow. But either way, it's, it, it's this, this is the time of year where I, I feel like people, some people, not all people, but some people, it, it's not the fact that the Rangers, this is going to sound weird. It's not the fact that the Rangers have a second first round pick. It's the fact that the Rangers have a second first round pick, which means they don't have to draft in the first round twice. Like, how Hold did the on. Rangers get Jacob? You know, how did the Rangers get? You know that gif uh, from the hangover where he's just doing math? It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what's going on to me. Well, it's just, it's like, it's like everyone's saying, oh, well, how are you going to acquire a winger? Like Chris Kreider, you can't. Do it. You know how you acquire a ringer like Chris Kreider? You have an extra first round pick that you can dangle in trade talks. Because you know how you acquired Jacob Truba, a guy who was a year away from free agency that you didn't want to run the risk of letting get to free agency in the first place. The first round Rangers, pick. by the way, did that twice last year. I don't know if you guys have heard of this Adam Fox fellow. Yeah, he's quite good. The Adam Fox is another guy. Out the Rangers. Well, the Truba thing yeah. has already become an interesting topic that I'm sure we'll have many conversations about this summer. No, we're not going to have any conversations about him because it's a stupid conversation. So therefore, I don't want to have it. I, but either way, he's been a either way, whatever. Too. However you feel about Jacob Trouba, it was viewed at the time as a major coup. And you know how you win major coups? Sure. You have pieces you can trade. So if the Rangers lose Chris Kreider, this doesn't mean that all of a sudden they can no longer trade the draft pick they 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 acquired for Kreider to get someone of Kreider's ilk. There are plenty of players. On the market, some players that are even going to surprise us for the fact that they are on the market. But we've heard we're not the first ones or the only ones that have heard Jason Zucker's name out there. You know, Nino Niederreiter got traded a year and a half ago. Nobody thought that would have happened under those circumstances. Players get moved as long as you present the right package to get that player. So I'm not going to sit here and be worried that the Rangers lost Chris Kreider and oh no. There's no way, any way, the Rangers could acquire a top six winger to replace that kind of production. There's always a way. And the thing that you can guarantee is when you have the most assets, Rangers, our friend Scott Wheeler says the Rangers have right now the fourth best prospect pool in the NHL. And that's with a lot of graduates. Yeah, there's no capo. There's no 
Shisterkin, no and Fox. there's no Adam Fox on that prospect list. And the Rangers are still fourth. They have potentially two first-round draft picks if they trade Chris Kreider. They have a lot of pieces they can move to get the player that they want. You could say that whoever it is the Rangers want, they have enough pieces to go out and get it. So if you if you want Zucker to replace Kreider, you can do it. He'd be under term for three more years at about $5.5 million, and they're a similar age. If you want a shinier toy than that, whatever it may be, maybe if the Leafs have such a terrible year that they decide, all right, this isn't going to work with all these dynamic wingers that we have. Maybe it's time we actually do have to move on from William Nylander in order to bring something else in. You know what the Rangers have? Enough assets to go get William Nylander if they so please. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying it's a possibility. Let other teams decide to fuck up. And then as the Rangers, with all these assets, with two first-round picks, without a massive contract you've now given to Chris Kreider, go out and take advantage of another team's stupidity. I, I just I feel like we've forgotten that this league is incredibly dumb. And if you have a smart guy at your table, which we all think the Rangers do with Jeff Gorton, it's good to give him as many assets as possible to take advantage of that stupidity. That's how he ends up trading the Winnipeg Jets, their own first round pick and Neil Peon for Jacob Truba. Would you consider Kyle Dubas one of the smart guys? Uh, I do. Me too. Do you think that's why he avoided Jeff Gorton at all costs? I, yes and no. I, I obviously, I think, I don't think he would have avoided Gorton if he didn't have such a high opinion of Jack Campbell. Um, uh, it's important to remember that Dubas has a long relationship with Jack Campbell. Yeah, he was with, I, uh No, he was Kyle Clifford's agent. He traded for Jack Campbell oh, sorry. when he was the general manager in juniors. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's acquired Jack Campbell before. So there is inherent trust that Dubas has in his guy, Jack Campbell. And it's no lie. The price for Campbell and Clifford was significantly lower than simply the price for Georgiev at this point in time. Much cheaper. So it's, I mean, there, there was think, a lot of jokes think, that Gordon was like, I'm not trading him for – name a player higher than Kapanen. I mean, there was a couple other players he was talking about, and Gordon was like, nope. I'm not yeah, and I, I think Dubas is a smart enough guy to know that maybe Georgiev is better than Campbell, but maybe it's not as big of a gap as some people would think it is. I Look, there are people within the very smart people community called analytics that say Georgiev, while young, <laughs> might just be average. And young only makes average so good. So I don't know, guys. It's I, I think Dubas did what he thought was both best and practical without trying to mortgage the future at the same time. Because look, even if they got Georgiev, they're fucked without Frederick Anderson. So if they're not fully healthy, they might not make the playoffs. You don't want to be giving up significant assets. If you're not going to be making the playoffs, they didn't give up a single significant asset in that deal. I don't know how any of us could be. I mean, I I get why we could be angry at Dubas for that, but if we were, if we were two guys doing a Maple Leafs podcast, I think we would have understood that trade perfectly. I uh, Speaking of which, if you haven't enjoyed this Ranger season, I'm not sure what's what's wrong with you. Um, it's been an amazing, fun Ranger season. Panarin's been great. We have so many kids that are here having a great time, and there's a lot about development. And even though you're not playing playoff hockey this year, it's been awesome. If you're a Leafs fan, I don't know how you live right now. This was your year. 
This was uh, the I, year. Like I don't know if I don't know if it was their year, but it's it was a year that they are supposed. To, I mean, they're always supposed to be competitive. I think I really do think Maple Leaf fandom and Met fandom go hand in hand. <laughs> so I can I can see everything that's happening there and be like, yeah, this makes sense. Because think about it, dude. Like they have three you have Tavares, you have Tavares. Superstars. It's crazy. Yeah, you have Tavares. You have Tavares. You have Marner. Are you, you going to name Mets after this? Well, just think of their top five forwards, and then think of the Mets starting rotation, and you understand. Okay, that's fair. Why, like, yeah, the, a, a rotation with the Grom, Syndergaard, and Strowman should never be struggling, and yet we both know the Mets are going to finish with eighty-four wins. Yeah. So, like, yes, fact. I see. I see a lot of parallels between the Mets and the Maple Leafs, Ryan. I don't know what to tell you on that one. Um, any other topics we missed before we go to some ads and some five-star questions? Don't think so. Uh, I, you know, it, it's been a. It's been a quiet week, right? It's like, been like there hasn't been like big news. Like the Rangers played some hockey games; they were good. They lost. We're, the- we're also at a we're at a point with this Rangers season where it's like we're just waiting for the shoe to drop. At this point, yeah, either Kreider gets traded or he gets extended. Either someone else gets traded. Well, we like, heard nothing about those Kreider talks. Uh, supposedly, the Torton was meeting with Kreider's agent last Friday. Um, how many? The how seventh. many? The, the people that got excited about that? It's just like. It's, How dumb are we? It's it's him playing the game. It's just this is Jeff Gordon's written out his playbook for all of us to see, and yet when he does something that is like the final step before he does the thing you don't want him to do, it's like oh this is all right, it. Greg. Here's, an, here's a new segment. You ready? We're we're gonna, we're gonna reenact that uh, that meeting. Okay, you're Chris Kreider. I'll be Gordon. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Cool. What's up, man? Uh, so listen, I got I got your contract offer. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, it's all right. Hit me. It's four million uh, by four years. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so Winnipeg, where am I going? No, no, no. All right. So listen, Chris, we really value you here. Okay. Huh? We're, we're gonna we're gonna add a fifth year. Four million five years. <laughs> so it's Boston. I'm getting traded to. Like where? Who, Chris, where is, what is you are a, a part of this organization. You've been a backbone. You're great. Listen, I think we should come back next week and talk about this again because obviously I think you're being a little tentative right now, but $4 million by five years, okay? Just think about it and come back, all right? All right, I'll see you in Boston. All right, see you then. <laughs> no, it's, that was it. it it's, look, I, I, don't think, I don't think Kreider and his representatives are stupid. I don't think Jeff Gorton is stupid. I think if Chris Kreider wanted to accept a four- to five-year deal in the $6 million range, the deal would already be done. But Chris Kreider is a smart enough guy. He understands this game. As much as he likes New York, he knows not not just not just that he knows, but he knows like I think Chris Kreider is the kind of guy smart enough to know that he needs to do something for the rest of the players' association. Like there's taking hometown discounts, and then there's understanding what the market is, what your value is worth, and making sure that the next guy of his age and caliber gets to the free agent market, gets paid the right amount. And I think Kreider knows that that number needs to be. At seven million dollars, and I don't think the Rangers ever cross that bridge, which means Chris Kreider's getting traded. And we've knew all this, Ryan. We knew all this in August. We did. Like this really hasn't changed. Yes, Chris Kreider had a shitty first month of the NHL season. Yes, Chris Kreider has been what we expect Chris Kreider to be every game since November first. No, I don't think it's more likely he's going to be a New York Ranger. No, I don't think it's more likely. Chris Kreider is going to take a hometown discount. No, I don't think if Kreider gets traded and gets the free agency, he'd come back to New York because again, 
some team is going to offer him a number higher than $7 million. You know how I know that? Because Kevin Chris Kreider's better than Kevin Hayes. He's better than Kevin Hayes. And Kevin Hayes got the fucking bag. Yep. Someone's going to give Kreider the bag. What are we doing? I don't know. We're, you are just lying to ourselves. You're willfully, I, I admire this, I do it all the time, but you're willfully lying to yourself in order to convince yourself that one thing is not going to happen. Let's go to some uh, some little ads that we'll get to right now. I'm sure I'm going to do some fun voices. I haven't recorded them yet, but I will right now. And uh, and we'll go back to some five-star questions. Transition. Hey, have you guys heard of DoorDash? Of course you have. You listen to this podcast. Some of the, uh, the ad reads here for DoorDash says, New Year, New You. Guys, it's February. There's no time for New You. It's time to order food. That's right. What do you want? Wendy's? Taco Bell? Anything you want in your area, you can get it at DoorDash. DoorDash brings... All of America's flavors to your door. Ordering is super easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. It could be your favorite pizza place. It could be Chinese. It could be anything. Chick-fil-A, Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory is overrated. Fight me, anybody. Anyway, call to action. This is what you got to do. This is what you have to do to make DoorDash work. Right now, listeners of Blue Shirts Breakaway can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app or enter code BSB. That's right. Code is BSB for Blue Shirts Breakaway. First, Your first order, $5 off when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BSB. And, and listen, if you haven't forgot already, it's code BSB. So that's enough. Like that's It's a deal. Order your food. You were going to order it anyway. Okay, what else we got today? Ah, uh, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. As one season ends, the next begins. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, is now live with XFL action. The XFL is back and it's bigger and badder and more extreme than ever. DraftKings Sportsbook will continue to offer great football action, moving into the next season of professional football. The XFL comes with new rules, and DraftKings is offering you a special promo to earn some free bets. Teams can now score one, two, or three points after a TD. For each PAT your team converts, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you one dollar. One dollar does a free bet. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder why DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook can sign up a bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code QUICK and you can sign up for a bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. You must be 21 years or older. New Jersey only bonus compromise of a first deposit. Bonus and first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Research supplies you document to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 100 Gambler. And one more. Hey guys, we talked a lot about medical things in today's shows, but if you were to guess on average, how many days people in the United States have to wait to see a doctor? What would you say? Like a week? Actually, on average, people have to wait like 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. It's pretty much a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, I mean, you want to treat that ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it easy and convenient to get treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or your computer and get a complete free online visit. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor... 
decides the treatment is right for you, well, Roman's Pharmacy can ship you medication with free two-day shipping. You also get free, unlimited follow-ups with your doctor any, anywhere, anytime. And you have any questions? You want to address your treatment plan? Do it with Roman. There are no commitments, and you can cancel at any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman. I did it right this time. GetRoman.com slash BSB for a free online visit and get free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman, not GetRoman. GetRoman.com slash BSB for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Back to the show. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. We have Kevin Kurz. He covers the Sharks for The Athletic. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on with us. Yeah, no problem, guys. Uh, I know it's a little bit... Uh, the trade deadline is coming quick, I guess is what I want to say, and there's been a lot of rumors here or there with the, the Sharks. What are the Sharks... Are the Sharks sellers? Are they buyers? What are they come this deadline? Yeah, they're, they're definitely sellers. I mean, you know, headed into, into Monday's game with Calgary here, they're in 14th place in the conference. So, um, you know, there's not going to be... They're not going to be a playoff team, uh, obviously, and that's uh, I think that's pretty evident at this point. So, you know, they're going to sell. If you just look at the breakdown of the roster, it doesn't look like they have too many pieces to sell. Um, Brendan Dillon's a defenseman who will get some interest. Uh, Melker Carlson is a depth forward, penalty kill specialist type of a guy. Aaron Dell is, is, you know, he's a pending UFA, but he's played well in goal. He's been their best player, really, since Bob Boogner took over for Pete DeBoer as a head coach. So, you know, they could trade him, but you could also make the case they should probably re-sign him because the state of the goaltending out here has been, uh, you know, pretty poor with Martin Jones for the last two years. So, um, you know, they have a lot of big salaries, but a lot of these big salaries also have uh, trade restrictions one way or another. So, um, you know, maybe Doug Wilson has some sort of surprise up his sleeve. I'm not sure about that. We'll have to wait and see. But um, I do expect them to sell off, uh, you know, some assets just for, for some future help in the draft. Now, a lot of people will be wondering, all right, what, what, what are New York Rangers guys, teams that obviously are also going to be selling, talking to a San Jose Sharks writer, and you kind of summarized it a little bit for us there in the fact that the Sharks' biggest problem, at least the last couple of years, has been what the hell's been happening in the crease. And the New York Rangers mm-hmm. have this weird thing where they might have too many goalies, and it's naturally put the Sharks and Rangers together. Now, you're going to tell us, we're probably thinking too pie in the sky for anything to happen before the deadline, right? Well, I mean, listen, I've been doing this long enough that you never discount anything. And on its face, it does make sense. You know, I would expect the Sharks are looking for some help in goal one way or another. Now, you know, how they want to go about that is is tough to say. Um, They have Martin Jones here who hasn't been very good the last two seasons. There's four years left on his contract at 5.75 million. So is that a contract that they want to buy out? I mean, you know, I don't know. That's eight, eight years worth of cap cap uh, cap penalties if you do that. Um, I, I certainly don't see any situation in which they could trade Jones. And I don't know anybody would want that contract with the numbers he's put up. So, you know, I, I, I don't – to me, what will what'll be sort of a tell will be what they do with Aaron Dell. If they trade him before the deadline, then – that to me means, well, they hope that Martin Jones can somehow get fixed and they'll probably look for some sort of a veteran to bring into the offseason. If Dell doesn't get traded before the deadline, I would think that means they're going to resell them and probably just try to move on from Martin Jones one way or the other. So, you know, looking at the Rangers, I, I know their situation right now. Does that make sense that the Sharks might want to talk to them about uh, about acquiring, uh, you know, Georgiev? I, you know, you would think it would make sense. But I can tell you there haven't been any Rangers scouts at Sharks teams for the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, read into that, whatever you want. 
It is definitely uh, scout season, and every, whenever there's a scout at a game, you always see the tweets. There are there are XX amounts of scouts at this game. So if there hasn't been a Ranger scout at, at the Sharks game, that does concern me a little bit. There's been some sort of hypothetical trades, um, and I'm going to butcher his name. It's uh, LeBanc, I guess. Kevin LeBanc shares a name with you. Right. And uh, the, the, trade, yeah, well, the trade is usually Georgiev for LeBanc that gets floated right. out. Right. right. Is, is, and that's um, not really a possibility well, I mean, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, again, you never say never. I mean, Kevin LeBanc had a really good year last year. Um, and, you know, he's declined a little bit this season. You know, he's he's a really good offensive player in the offensive zone. He, he's creative. He, uh, you know, he's got a good shot. He doesn't have the, the big, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. But, um, you know, he does the, have, have the ability to play power play also. Um, and, and, you know, but from the Sharks' perspective, they're having trouble scoring goals this year. They lost a whole bunch of guys in the offseason. Um, at forward, Joe Pavelski, the most notable, and they haven't really gotten their younger guys to contribute as much as they had hoped. And Kevin LeBanc is on that list. And you know, what m- might the Sharks dangle LeBanc in some sort of a hockey deal? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, count that out at all. But I would think if they traded LeBanc, it would have to be for either a goaltender or for another player that could play right away. So. Just just looking at their forward depth, you know, it, their forward depth is so poor right now that I don't think they want to, you know, they're not going to trade uh, one of their forwards that they still have high hopes for unless it's for someone that can immediately help. Can you explain? Kevin, is, are, are we in a situation with the Sharks where are they even a, with the contracts they've signed recently and the veteran talent they have on the roster? Is this a team even capable of rebuilding? Well, what do you mean? Rebuilding quickly? Yeah, basic. I mean, sure. Yeah. Every team can strip down to the spare parts, but the Sharks are a team designed right. to win now and they're not. So right, what, right, what, right. what, are, what and, should they do? What can they do? Well, <laughs> that might be two different things. You know, what they're going to do is they're going to try to, to rebound quickly and become a playoff team. Doug Wilson has said that he made that very clear in a session with a couple of local media guys last week, um, you know, of which I was one obviously. And um, you know, they don't, they don't, have rebuild in their vocabulary right now. And that's just the way they're going to go about it. And I think that's partially because they probably have to, uh, you know, you, you sign Eric Carlson to a long deal, you know, it's his first year of his eight year, $92 million contract. And some of the other guys they got, whether it's Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle locked up, you know, they have some good pieces, uh, some good core pieces. Timo Myers, another one who, you know, he, he's had a rough year uh, or an inconsistent year, but he's been a lot better lately you know, they believe they have the core pieces in place and they're going to have to build around those core pieces. And, and um, that's going to be the plan now, you know, are they going to be able to do that as a whole different story? Because they have guys like Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, Carlson, like I said, Evander Kane, um, Timo Meyer, you know, a lot of these guys are locked up for foreseeable future. And uh, it either doesn't make sense to trade some of those guys or a, a guy like, you know, if you're looking at Burns and Vlasic, for example, they have expensive deals. They're on the other side of 30. Burns is going to be 35 in March. And they have, uh, in Vlasic's case, a full new movement. and Burns' case, a limited no movement. So is Doug Wilson going to be able to move one of those guys? Um, you know, it might come down to shedding one of those big salaries. And that's a lot easier said than done. A lot of Ranger fans uh, <clears throat> were interested in signing. Uh, why did I just blank on his name? The person you signed for $92 million, uh, the best defenseman in the NHL. Oh my God, I'm blanking. Well, Eric Carlson. Jesus, yeah. my bra- yeah, I'm Eric so Carlson, sorry. Yeah. Eric Carlson, we were interested in signing Eric Carlson for a, a long time. How has he performed in the first mm-hmm. year of the contract for people that don't watch West Coast games? 
Yeah, he's been inconsistent. Um, I think there's concerns there about how he was coming off of a groin injury last season. Um, you know, to me, it looks like at times there's there, there's things he's trying to do out there that maybe he used to do three or four years ago that he just, you know, he can't quite do them this season for whatever reason, whether it's just sidestepping a guy at the blue line on the power play to get a shot off or, you know, that the, those first couple steps behind the net leading to a breakout. You know, it's it's not quite there. And, he, you know, he's still got the hands. He's still got the playmaking ability. He's still an effective player uh, more times than not. Um, you know, some of the defensive errors leave you shaking your head uh, every once in a while. But, you know, that's just, that, that's just you know, what you, what you come to expect with a guy like that who's, who's a little bit more high risk, high reward. So, um, you know, in, in, its, in, in its entirety, it's been a little bit of a disappointment so far, um, no doubt about it. And, and Carlson's going to have to be better if this team's going to, you know, is going to achieve what Doug Wilson wants them to achieve and make the playoffs next year. I wonder where the hope, where, where does the hope even start? I'm very curious. So like what I know you, you have Timo Meyer, you have other players, but like who are the players that really need to perform other than Carlson that are going to have to force this team to be competitive? Well, they're, they're going to have to find another goalie. Like, a, like, a you know, like, like a we were talking about before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, that, that's the first thing to me that they're going to have to address. Um, they're going to need more scoring up and down the lineup. Um, you know, the hope was this year that some of the younger prospects were going to be to, able to fill in the, the vacancies that were left from some of the guys left in the offseason. That hasn't happened. Um, you know, it seems to me they overrated their prospects in the system a little bit. And, um you know, a lot of those guys are in the minors now. We'll see if they turn to any into anything. There aren't really any blue chip type prospects that are going to come up. They're going to come up and score 20 goals next season, at least from what I can tell. Um, and you know, you just you need your guy. You need your core guys to be better. That's Carlson. That's uh, you know, that's Brent Burns if he's still here. Um, Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc, all these guys. Um, you know, Thomas Hurdle, who's hurt now. They're going to have to hope he comes back and. Um, you know, has two good knees. So it's, you can go right down the list. You know, what does any team need to do to be successful? Good goaltending, depth scoring, and uh, and solid defense. And right now, really, the only thing the Sharks have is um, they've been defending better since Bugner took over, but the goals and the goaltending have still been up and down. I I know we obviously Ranger fans want to hear a lot about LeBanc because he's the dream if there is a trade between the Sharks and the Rangers. But if we go back to the offseason when – LeBanc kind of shockingly took that one year, $1 million deal is, mm -hmm. is his season basically the perfect example of why young players should just always go for the bag when you have the opportunity to get the bag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he certainly could have gotten more. I don't think there's any question. Um, and uh, you know, maybe he's regretting that now. It's, it's hard to say. Um but, you know, I think if you're a Sharks fan, you, you, you applaud him for what he did because, you know, he wanted to be part of this team. He wanted to fit under the salary cap. Uh, you know, after they signed Eric Carlson, they, there was going to have to be, you know, there was maybe going to be a casualty. But he, you know, he came in and he took that deal. And, yeah, maybe in hindsight, he, he could hold out for a little bit more. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rip the guy for – for um, doing the team a favor and 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 sort of betting on himself was the phrase that they both used. Um, he, he's still, you know, he's still going to get paid at some point um, this summer, maybe not as much as it would have been last summer, but um, he's a young kid and, and he'll keep working and he, he does work hard on and off the ice uh, to, to get better. So, um, 
you know, I, I'm not going to criticize a guy just because he was trying to help the team out. Greg, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out of questions for Sharks related content. Uh, any other questions for our friend, Kevin? <laughs> I would just, Kevin, from our conversation, it sounds like what we're thinking less than a 10% chance a deal gets done between the Rangers and the Sharks before the deadline. Well, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would say that, <laughs> but it does, that, yeah. it does kind of sound like if a deal were to happen, the Rangers and Sharks are still common bedfellows, maybe come NHL draft time. Yeah. You know, a lot, you know, we hear Doug Wilson say all the time, a lot of the conversations that the general managers have this time of year, it's not necessarily to get something done before the deadline, but to set something up in the off season. And, and to me, um, the off seasons where the sharks are really going to have to fix this thing if they're going to get it fixed at all, because um, they're just so restricted right now by I think some of their big salaries and 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 the cap and and guys that they you know might be willing to move and might not be willing to move. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, uh, just the athletic, like uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of my friends these days. <laughs> all of us, yep. And uh, on Twitter, is yep. it, you want to plug that too, or are you just Twitter, stay yep. away? Yeah, it's uh, KKers NHL. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin, so much for coming on. We appreciate your time. Okay. You got it, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Hey, we're back. Okay, great interview. A uh, little bit of a uh, a very short interview, but uh, packed with information. And Georgiev is short, definitely not short because we sharks. we did interrupt we interrupted Kevin's entire day by asking him to come on a podcast the same night the Sharks. Are playing hey, a game. Hey so man, it's I, like, we're coworkers, so it's fine. That's how that works. Yeah, right? and also, and also, also the the point of the Kevin's interview is basically to be like, I know ESPN included the trade scenario in their wacky trade deadline prediction trades. I know other people have written about it as well, but that interview was basically to pour cold water on the heads of everyone expecting the Rangers and Sharks to at least make a trade before the trade deadline. Kevin himself will be the first to tell you that. Yeah, maybe if the Rangers and Sharks get back together before the NHL draft, there's something they can work out here, but it ain't happening before then. There's just no reason for the Sharks to make it happen before then. They know Georgiev's going to be available come June. They don't need to pay the Rangers' price right now. They are willing to bet that they can get the Rangers to lower their price in the summer, or straight up, they'll just find another guy. They, they just don't have to make that choice right now. Very interested to see what happens there. Uh, let's go to through some five-star questions. Uh, this one's a little bit of a long one. It's, this is from David Schnecker. He says, uh, this is, this two- isn't, this isn't the one from our friend saying we only talk about Tony's politics. No, it's not our, that's not our two star review from the week. It's not a segment that we'll be doing on this podcast. Two star <laughs> reviews. <laughs> I just, it cracks me up. I don't know how much, I don't know how more clear we can be about the fact that I don't care. It's not our responsibility to police Tony D'Angelo in hey, personal belief. Greg, we had a serious rant that was, uh, I think, seven minutes of you, three minutes of me, that were like, we cannot tell you how to root for players. It's not our sure job. Sure can't. Not a job. I don't want it to be my job. It shouldn't be anybody's job but your own. However you got to do it, you need to go do it. That's it. All right, this is from uh, David. He says, this is two questions, don't really know the rules. Sorry. Thank you. Oh, uh, I know this is going to be coming, going back a couple episodes, but... With the Lindy Ruff situation, if the Rangers decided mm. to part ways with Ruff, whose job would it have would it have to be to, to have that talk, and who would be the person? Pretty much, he's asking who would fire Lindy Ruff. Jeff, I would, I would think it's, it's I, Jeff Gordon, right? I think Quinn, I think Quinn could ask Gordon to remove him from the coaching staff, but I think it has to come through Gordon. Yeah, and it said he's pretty much says at what point would it be stop being Lindy Ruff's fault and somebody else's, like David Quinn, um, when Lindy Ruff is gone, unfortunately. 
that's that's probably the case. When Lindy Ruff is fired, and if if all the same defensive issues are still happening, well, then it's not Lindy Ruff's fault, is it? No, but it's also, you know, you you start getting chicken and the egg type of situation here. Like, is David Quinn following Lindy Ruff's defensive scheme even after Lindy Ruff is gone because he agrees with it? Is this a marriage that made sense for both of them because they don't see a problem with what's going on? And as as ridiculous as this is going to be to say, Ryan, they've been playing better defensively. But again, how much of how much of the Rangers playing better defensively has to do with the fact that they're the players they have out there are simply better than what they've been in the past. Like is Adam Fox unflappable with whatever system you put him? I don't think it matters as long as he's playing hockey. He's that as as much shit, as much shit as people love to get, give Jacob Trouba and Brady Shea. They've been playing well. I don't know what else to tell you. I know it's a really fun opinion to say, Oh, the Rangers got to get rid of Brady Shea. Oh, the guy the Rangers should be trading is Brady Shea. Oh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, guys, you know, I don't know what to tell you. He's fine. Is he going to be a top-pairing defenseman? No. Should he be playing top-pairing defensive minutes with Jacob Truba? No. But that doesn't mean either of them are bad. It's just like we do this dance so many times. It's it, We get frustrated that a player isn't quite what we want that player to be. And then we realize, well, that's because we're asking the player to do too much. Maybe ask him to do less. I want to like point Paul out Paul Rudd and fucking forgetting Sarah Marshall here, man. David uh, did post this on February 4th, and this was prior to the ESPN trade article, okay? He says, question two. I've been thinking about the possible Kreider trade and had this thought. Anders Bjork and a first-round pick for Kreider's 50% salary retention. I'm pretty sure that Boston doesn't have the cap take on the full contract, which is why I added the retention. Love the podcast. Great listen. Thanks so much, guys. I mean... That trade's so good that ESPN wrote about it. So the hell well, that? I think a lot of a lot of people have been trying to speak Bjork into existence, and I mean, I'd be fine with it for sure. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to complain. I had one Bruins fan think, tell me that I would be endlessly sad if Bjork was traded to the Rangers. Well, then that's all I need to hear. That's the same. That was the only thing I needed to to, to know about that. I, I don't know anything really about Bjork, but as soon as a fan said I'd be really upset if he was traded, I know it's good. That's when that's when you know it's happy. Just like when we were training Pionk, we were, we were telling everyone like, please take him, please. Um, somebody wrote in. It's cool, and then it's literally twenty eight numbers afterwards, and I'm not gonna read them. I'm, I'm I don't know if they want me to, but we'll see. Interesting. Uh, this is a pretty much a non question. Georgiev install for Kapitan. Okay, let's just move on. All okay. right. Yeah, thank you for writing in. I appreciate it. Cool. Do uh, I got I got since we've brought up the name Mark Stahl. Yeah. What's up? He's going to be a New York Ranger next year, isn't he? Absolutely. Like we're just never we're never buying him. No, out. there's no way. I I called that a couple of years ago. It's one of my only good calls. There was no way just, we were buying I, him out. I I don't know what I've done to come to accept the fact that Mark Stahl is going to play out his contract with the New York Rangers. And you know the crazy thing is we we're you know who we really have we have to blame Lieber Hayek for this for just not being better. If Lieber was because better, remember 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 that fun like three week stretch where it was like it was clear that stall was going to sit because he just was the seventh guy. Yeah. And the Rangers understood somehow Gregory, that what you're saying right now is hilarious when you really think about it. Somehow Henrik Lundqvist has gotten the short end of this and Mark Stahl has survived. Yeah. It's (laughs) fucking weird that like (laughs) Henrik Lund, like the possibility Lundqvist gets bought out. I, as low as I think it is, we're probably somewhere around 15%. And I think if you told me this is what was going to happen after Stahl got scratched for Hayek and Lindgren, I mean, the fact Stahl's like at 5% right now. 
It's yeah. just not going to happen. Stahl still plays, man. He's And Henrik is still a great goalie. But Stahl plays every night. Because it's I, just so it's so fucking weird that Mark Stahl is going to survive all this shit. Uh, some random person named Bubalo Blargan. Okay, thank you. I'm sure you got that one perfectly. <laughs> I nailed it. Uh, is there any obvious... Is there anyone obviously in the market for Georgiev now that the Leafs have their backup? Is it smart to wait until the summer now? What's your reaction if they decide to do it, do nothing at the deadline, rather? Um, I think we kind of covered a lot of this. It doesn't seem like there really is a big market. The Sharks are the people that everyone talks about. Their beat writer literally just said to us there's pretty much no chance. I mean, he said it could happen. but uh, I mean, there are, still, there are still teams. I, Vegas needs to do something to help Ottawa, address the goalie situation. maybe... No, Ottawa's so. but Ottawa's not going to do anything until the summer. That's true. Uh, Minnesota could either do something before the deadline to address their goalies, or they too could wait until the summer. There are still a couple teams that are in the obvious need for a goalie, and look, there's still two weeks until the until the deadline. All it takes is one person to get injured, and oh, to, uh, one contending team to come down with an injury, and then all of a sudden, Georgiev becomes all the more appetizing because he's not making any money. So. It may not seem obvious today. This conversation could change literally in seven days, and we could be talking about this completely differently. But I, I think the Rangers have all along planned to go to the summer and then do something then. And I think we were just trying to convince ourselves otherwise. But I think the Rangers' grand plan has been to do something about this come June. And we will see what they will do about it come June. They have a second question, but it's on baseball, so we're going to do it at the end. Um. This is from uh, Nick DiPaolo. Uh, Nick DiPaolo. Sorry, Nick. I, I know I talk about your name every week and I mess it up. Let me preface this by saying, uh, preface this by saying the team should sell guys like Kreider, Strom, Georgiev, et cetera, deadline. But realistically, how far back does that move our, our true contention window? I've seen people throw out the 2021 season, or rather the 2021-2022 season as the first year of true contention, but I find that pretty optimistic. Most of our young talent won't even reach their prime for another four to five years, and at that point, Panarin is 32 or 33 years old. It seems like the windows aren't exactly lining up. Is this something I should be concerned about, or am I overthinking it? Uh, I don't think he's overthinking it, but I also don't think it's something he should be concerned about. I don't think we can... We will not be able to sit down the second after the NHL trade deadline expires and say... The Rangers are now X years away from competing. I think while it's important for the Rangers to get assets while they can at this deadline, it the most important moment this Rangers team will have is NHL draft time and July 1st because we will know or have a more complete picture of what the hell this roster is going to look like. I think it's very clear the Rangers feel they are close to being a perennial contender again. Um, I think they feel great about having – Fox, Panarin, Shea on their blue line. I think they feel great about having Panarin, Zibanejad, Kittle, Kako on their forward ranks. And I think the Rangers are going to have long conversations about Tony D'Angelo's long-term future as a New York Ranger. Pavel Buchnevich's long-term Ranger future as a New York Ranger. Oh, I yeah. think these are, but I, I think the more, the closer we get to the trade deadline, the more it seems like, like, Chris Kreider might get sold for a prospect and a pick. The Rangers want to trade Strom or D'Angelo. I think they're getting a roster player in return. And those deals typically do not happen in season uh, if you're a rebuilding team like the Rangers are. So I don't, there's a scenario where the Rangers keep 
Tony D'Angelo and they're a step closer to competing. And there's a scenario where the Rangers trade Tony D'Angelo to address a weakness they can't otherwise address on their roster, which gets them a step closer to competing. So we, I, I don't think this trade deadline, you should say, oh, the Rangers traded Kreider. That means they're definitely still two years away. I think whether the Rangers trade Kreider or not, all of this will be determined by what the hell they do come the summer. And I think the, I, I think the Rangers think they're close. The way I look at it, it's it's after 2015, they put the car in the garage, and they just opened up the garage door to get back out there. This is the car's been the car's been sitting in the garage for three years. They've been the rebuilding, they've done they've done the tune-ups, and now they're going to take the garage out and take it for a spin again. They're ramping up to fight for a playoff contention spot and fight for uh, championships for the next five to six years. Thing is, um, this is the tricky part that Gordon has to go through. He has to navigate this window to make sure his assets that he signed for the long term, Panera and Truba, etc., uh, match up with this young talent. And that's how far can you push in to make th- make sure those things match up is really what we're going to find out in the next couple of years. This uh, next question is from the Nikki H. Hey guys, before I ask my question, such love for the podcast. Look forward to it every week. Thanks, Nick. Thank you and solid work. Trying to understand the draft, I won't lie, I'm a little bit confused as to who gets what and why and how the picks are confirmed. I get the basics of lowest team picks first, but a touch lost after that. Might be a stupid question. Cheers from the UK. Praise be. I guess he's asking yeah, how I, the draft works. I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, you, you think about English sports, there aren't any drafts in soccer. I mean, there is in the MLS because, again, the MLS is fucking weird and it plays by their own rules when they shouldn't be playing by their own damn rules in an international community of a game. I mean, it, it's just worst record and it's, there are tiebreakers to decide picks after thereafter that we don't need to get into, but the, the worst team picks first, the best team that won the Stanley cup picks last. And well, well, that's about as far as it gets. Well, the lottery, I think is the big part of it. So it's, so that, well, the, the worst team has the best odds. Yes. Uh, so on, so forth. Let me, let me provide you with an answer. Nikki, uh, go to tankathon.com and have a blast. That's pretty much that's pretty much how you should look about how the draft works. They have all the draft nice nice plug for Tankathon here, but they have all the draft uh, rankings for the next year's uh, prospects, and you can also simulate the draft, and you can see all the percentages teams have to move up and or move down, etc. Um, this one's from Lindy's Rough. It's our last question. Uh, writing this after the Buffalo game for context, everyone loves to call Quinn for to get fired, but seriously, how much blame falls on him? At least three. Well, who's who's everyone? Not ever, not us. Um, at least three chances tonight. The puck was on the goal line, and we got screwed with great defensive play or bad puck luck. And their three goals were just egregiously were just egregious mistakes. How does Quinn factor into players making completely bonehead decisions? Well, you a good coach never eliminates bonehead decisions from being made, right? But a good coach helps stifle them. Lessons they happen less and less frequently. Under a good coaching staff, I think Quinn's um, been fine. By the way, I think Quinn's been. Yeah, I don't know. I quite... this is a hard question. It's a hard question for us to answer because one, I don't think there's a very big divide in the Ranger fan. Like, if there's a percentage of Ranger fans that want Quinn fired, it's a very loud and annoying ten percent at best. Yeah, because like just because just because you hear people saying it doesn't mean it's actually be saying Ben said a lot it's just the people that say it are very loud and persistent and put it in your face and take every opportunity to say it like i think there's a big difference between a fan base wanting a coach to be fired and the ranger fans that want david quinn to be fired 
I, he's I, not going to please everybody. Yeah, it's it could be good. I mean, this team was uh, statistically very quite bad for the first half of the season, and now um, they've come up to statistically average. He's held people accountable. People have developed and moved forward. Has Truba really played up to his full potential yet? No, but we're getting there. He's been good. Um, there's Shea obviously has some, some other things to go through, but that's all the defensive problems there, but there has, has been a lot of good developments too. I mean, Buchnevich who gets flamed for being cold one week, but then scores four goal and four goals in five games. And then everyone all of a sudden is back on the Buchnevich train. So Quinn's handled this team. I thought, I think he's done a pretty good job. And I mean, the other person the Rangers were going to hire was Montgomery and he's no longer in the league along with like 28 other coaches. And somehow David Quinn is a veteran, uh, in the NHL at this point. So I, I don't really, I haven't disliked Quinn's season. I thought he's been fine. I don't think he's been exceptional, but I think he's been good. Yeah. Also, I'm. I, I just think everyone. You, you see what a guy like Panarin or even what Carmelo did when he came here. You see guys that come to New York that are great players and are immediately great or continue to be great. Truba comes to New York. It's still fucking New York guys. Not every free agent signing that comes to New York is immediately good in their first year. Carlos Beltran's worst season as a professional, I think, was 2005 with the New York Mets. He only hit like 15 home runs. He didn't do much. And then his 2006 season, he was a runner-up in the MVP race. So some guys take a little longer to adjust back to playing in this market than others. And look, it can't be easy on it. It honestly can't be easy on Truba to get his payday along with Panarin. See how Panarin is loved in this fan base. See how immediately his impact is felt. And Truba, the it's a little harder, right? Like it's. A- you're asking you, Truba to you really play don't see people out system. really people out here being like I love Jacob Truba. When was the last time you read that? No, but not, ha, have not you just that, but just you, it it this is going to sound weird. Jacob Truba's being asked to do more than Artemi Panarin, right? Like Panarin has become the guy that carries this Ranger team, but the fact that this Ranger team is even in a position to be carried is their defense is playing better than it has in a very long time. And Jacob Truba is a big reason for that. Not just for what he does on the ice, but the fact that like Truba helped change the conversation about the New York Rangers defensive unit. It's no more about how do they still need some more talent in that group? Yeah, but we're not talking about it as if it's like an abomination anymore. And Truba's a part of that. So I just, I don't know, guys, like, we just got to fucking relax with Truba and understand that he didn't have to win the Norris this year to justify that contract. Next year. He just had to be Jacob Truba. Next year, he has to step it up for sure. But we'll see how the, I mean, he's, he's been an average, above average defenseman. He just has to be that solid number one defenseman if the Rangers are going to compete at that high level. But that's a conversation we'll have at another time. Uh, the last question is from the, another uh, user that we already spoke about. And it's, uh, what were your opinions on the best trade? I know, I know people, some people get mad when you talk baseball on the show, but I would like to know. I love it. All right. Uh, uh, I, well, we should talk about the new trade, right? The one that is yes, now official, official. That, that's correct. Oh, by the way, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at O'Reilly. Me, Greg's at Blue Shirts Break. And uh, I want to thank all our supporters, including Tori from Manhattan, Brian Doyle, Eric Stagg, Eric, uh, uh, Ben Weber, and, ben, uh, and everyone else that loves us. And I appreciate you. Love, love you so much. Bye. All right. Now let's talk baseball. Uh, uh, I just think it's hilarious. The Red Sox acquired Jeter Downs. Yeah, you that, had had to get Jeter. I like Jeter Downs, by the way. I I think he's a good prospect. It just tickles me that they acquired Jeter Downs. It's it's, I I, I don't know why they thought Brewstar was going to be enough, 
And then I feel like they got flamed by the media enough where they were like, okay, we're going back on this trade because of the medical. Yeah, I can't believe the, I can't believe the Boston Red Sox thought they weren't going to get shit for trading Mookie Betts, what? right? Because I, I think star player, second best player right. in baseball. And I, I made I made this argument to our close group of friends, and I, I'll, I'll I'll echo it here. I if you're making a trade, if you're the team trading Mookie Betts. It doesn't matter what you're getting in return. You've lost that trade, right? You can't be the team that trades Mookie Betts, nor should the Boston Red Sox of all teams be in a financial position where they feel like they have to trade Mookie Betts. So if you, you put those things out there, the Red Sox, one of the wealthiest teams in baseball, shouldn't be in a position where they can't pay a player. And the Red Sox, one of the wealthiest teams in baseball, who should never be in a position where they can't pay a player, shouldn't be having this discussion about a clear top three player in this sport. My, my, Full stop. my thing is you could trade him at the deadline. You, you right. That's the, uh, <laughs> uh, so then your argument becomes twofold, right? Right. Could the, could the Boston Red Sox still got this package for Mookie Betts in July? Yeah. Hell yeah. Cause you know why he's Mookie fucking bets. He's like you can, player get, in baseball. you can trade Mookie Betts whenever the hell you want, as long as he's healthy. And I guess if you're the Red Sox, you don't want to risk him not being healthy and then you truly being fucked. But you know what? Then you're still not being fucked. You know why you're not being fucked? Oh, no. Now all I have to do is pay Mookie Betts and I can have him forever? Oh, what was yeah, me? I don't like, I don't like this. I'm crying for you. I don't like this whole thing that's like, well, he was going to test free agency no matter what. Okay? You're the Red Sox. You have first yeah. negotiating with him. You could be, he could be a Red Sox for life. Play his whole career there. I will, that's a big sell. Yeah, and I, but I will say this, though, right? If you're going to trade Mookie Betts, and if you're going to put David Price in that deal where you're asking another team to pay at least half of David Price's contract, I said this then, I'll say it now. I don't know how the Red Sox could have done better in this deal, right? If, if you're just trading Mookie Betts without any financial obligations being put on top of that, Yes, you should be able to get a team's entire farm system for Mookie Betts. But you understand the business of the game. You understand that this is now becoming a half salary dump. So the fact that the Red Sox, the fact that the Red Sox were getting two top 100 prospects for Betts and Price, I, I did think that was ridiculous. I, I thought the first trade where they got Brewstar and Verdugo, I was like, that's a light return. But when they got uh, Downs and Verdugo, I was like, that's a legitimate like. That's a that's a good return. Like those Downs ranks like at some places like twenty third ranked prospect, and Verdugo is like uh, has been the above average prospect of the league for like the last like five years. Um, he's like yeah, the, but there, there's a replacement I'm, value. I'm lower on Verdugo than most. Me too. I I'm not a hundred percent. I think the bat plays. I if he was better anywhere on the field, I think. I'm quite high on on Downs, but I uh well that was weird. Quite high on Downs, huh? I'm quite high on Jeter. But it's just uh, it's it's you traded the second best player in baseball and you're the Red Sox. Yeah, it's it, just not a good. Yeah, if you're the Boston Red Sox, you shouldn't have made this trade. I don't like you're putting up the white flag before the season starts that you're not going to be better than the Yankees. And I've since the Red Sox have gone on their World Series winning run, we've never seen this. Well, the from Ra- them. the Rays have six outfielders now, so there you go. Yeah, and we're not convinced that three of them can play the outfield. I don't know. It's like it's like yeah, Mar- Marco. Jose, I know. I know Jose, Jose Martinez can't. Yep. Uh, 
the the Japanese import that they have, we've heard mixed reviews. Uh, the Padre guy, what's his name? Uh, Manuel Run- Manuel Margot and Run- Renfro also, by the way. Can you do you remember, dude? Margot was going to be the centerpiece of a Noah Syndergaard trade last year. Yeah, they got him for like nothing. They traded Emilio Pagan, who was one of their best relievers, but a good still. reliever, but still just a good reliever. That's it. Yeah, and he was the centerpiece I, of a I fucking Syndergaard trade. I don't know if you know this, but Tampa Bay is like notorious for developing good relievers and then trading them. So it's, oh, kind, it's, it's kind almost of, like that's a marketing efficiency. It's kind of like what they do. So weird, huh? The Rays marketing efficiencies. Huh. Oh man. Strange. Yeah, I I don't know. I, this this is all to say that. I, I, I've i never experienced the start to spring training like I have for this year with the Mets, where if I look at this team on paper, I should be quite excited. And I, I can't help but feel just utterly pessimistic about just everything. I'll tell you and what. I think it, if, if, it, it's what it's what happens when your team gets sold and then it doesn't get sold. And it's what happens when you hire a good manager and he gets fired before managing one game. Unbelievable. Uh, if the if the World Series is not the Yankees versus the Dodgers, uh, every sing- or whoever's hosting the World Series this year is going to be pissed. And the fans will likely be robbed because that's what I want to see. I got to be honest. That's what I got to see this year. Dodgers-Yankees is going to be a hell of a fight. I will say, though, with as much bitching as Yankee fans and Dodger fans have done this offseason because of the Astros and the Red Sox. Yeah. It would be hilarious if the World Series was like Astros, Red Braves Sox, twins. Astros. Oh no, that's no Braves AM. twins. Yeah, Braves twins. <laughs> yeah, like like if if the Dodgers if the Dodgers somehow don't make the World Series without the help of someone banging on a trash can, uh, and if the Yankees can't get over the hump despite the fact that the Houston Astros have been neutered, mm-hmm. and it's just two completely random fucking teams, um, it I'd I'd at least as a miserable Met fan I'd laugh because I know the Mets did nothing to help this situation, but. I left. Did you see the new proposal by baseball today? By the way, I uh, I the I brief, changed, briefly glimpsed changes it. to the playoffs they possible. Get, they get buys, right? Seven teams. Okay. And top seed gets a the, buy. And the top seed gets to pick who they play. It's pretty cool. Listen, I like it. Listen, I know people are traditionalists. I'm I'm all for change. Disrupt the mean. That's well. It. It's also it's also it is statistically harder to make the baseball postseason than any other sports postseason, right? Because well, yeah. there are 30 teams I in mean, basketball the and NBA 16 teams in hockey, it. It's like you just, if you're in the top half, you're right. The, it, N- the NBA and hockey put over 50% of their teams in and then football. Actually, is it harder to make the football playoffs these days? Cause it's 12 teams, math 32. Yeah, but you just win your division and it's different divisions. I guess. I don't know. It's with, with, with the MLB, I don't have a problem with them making it different. I, I think it's good. To I just think it, it would be fucking hilarious to see these teams pick their opponents. I just feel It'd like be... three of the last like four years, the AL has been decided in July, and like I don't really want that happening. Yeah, and then you get like, it really does feel like one year. It's just one league runs away with it, and the other league, it's just we're all waiting for that final shoe to drop. And I, I don't get me wrong, I like the wild card games too. I think oh, they're having... fun. A second wild card team makes the season a lot more enjoyable, and it makes it seem like a lot fewer teams are trying to blow it up at the trade deadline, which makes everything fascinating. Uh, and as a Met fan, I just want to find new ways to break my own heart. That's so it. I am in for some team. I am in for the Mets making it as like not a wild card team, and then like the Dodgers being like, you know who we want. The, the mess <laughs> because we're gonna bet on them fucking this up, it's and I'll just be sitting here like that's. 
that's a good that's a good bet. I, I can't even be angry about it. All right, Keep great. Fucking good job. Speaking of heartbreak, we'll be back next week. Love y'all. Bye.